Harry ran back to the sideline. Practice was not going well. He was a junior on the varsity squad playing right guard, and he kept getting hammered by the practice team. After the last play, where he ended up on his back immediately, Coach Daniels pulled him out. By the coach's aloof demeanor, he knew that he'd messed up. Well, maybe they'll send me to play with the Pop Warner kids, he thought. But then assistant coach Michelson turned to him. Harry, the coach said, meet me in the school gym tomorrow morning at 6.30. Harry showed up to find coach Michelson there waiting. Other players that the coach talked to trickled in. Listen, the coach said, you're all getting your butts kicked out there. Now I think you've all got a lot of potential, but the fact is you're not in shape and you're not ready to play. I want you all to meet me here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to train. We need to not only get you stronger, but better conditioned. Maybe by next fall you'll be ready. But before we do this, I need to know if you're committed. If you're not, there's no point in being here. There are no guarantees either. But it's either train and maybe have a chance at playing, or don't train and have zero chance. Some players were enthusiastic. Harry could only nod. Okay. We'll start off with a 10-minute run. Harry sighed internally and followed the coach and the others outside. Whispers began to percolate about the Michelson squad. Why are they getting special treatment? Why would the coach waste his time? It's hopeless. But over time, the squad began to improve. Some of them couldn't handle the discipline and quit. Quite a few couldn't handle the discipline and quit. But those who stayed showed improvement, not miraculous improvement. This made-for-TV movie I'm describing isn't Rocky, and it isn't Little Giants. It isn't the underdogs, it isn't any number of sports films. But they did improve. Of those who stayed, two-thirds played enough varsity to letter. Harry even went on to college football and played on scholarship all four years. Those who whispered about the Michelson squad didn't understand one thing. It wasn't the best players that got special treatment. It was the worst players. The worst players, those who had no shot at playing otherwise, that got it. Perhaps that's a lesson Jesus wants us to take from his parable today. The fig tree of the parable is clearly a lousy tree. It's probably about six years old at this point, which means that it should have had edible fruit on it for about three years at this point. The owner keeps finding nothing. He's fed up, and understandably so. Why not plant something more fruitful? At least he could get some firewood out of the bad tree. And the gardener proposes some extraordinary measures. Digging around trees was common enough, and it's still done today in, in the Middle East with olive trees to retain humidity. Putting manure around the tree, however, was unusual. The gardener will stop at nothing to save the tree, to help it fulfill its purpose, to bear fruit. One more year, the gardener pleads. Give me one more year. He blesses the bad tree. The parable comes in the context of Jesus addressing the perennial question, 
Why do bad things happen? And its corollary question, do people who suffer deserve it? Jesus offers no clear answer for the first question. The origins of suffering are shrouded in mystery. Or to put it another way, as God put it to Job, the answer to that question is above our pay grade. After all, where were we when God laid the foundations of the world? However, to the second question, do people who suffer deserve it? Jesus gives a firm no. Just because someone suffers doesn't mean that they were worse than anyone else. But Jesus does take that opportunity to give us a warning. Unless you repent, Jesus says, you will all die just as they did. The urgency is palpable. Turn around. Turn back to God. Turn back now. Change your hearts and your minds and turn to the one who is the source of our life and salvation. The Christ who gives his all to make us the people we were meant to be. Christ stops at nothing to make us fruitful people. All the blessings we enjoy, our homes, our lovely community, food, water, clothing, spouse, children, our financial resources, our health, this beautiful building, the good weather we've enjoyed lately, Perhaps all of them are like so much manure piled on us to help us grow. To help us thrive, to help us fulfill our purpose and bear fruit. Maybe we receive all the blessings we do, not because we're such good people, but because otherwise we would be so poor. Are we any better off than the people of Jerusalem that Jesus wept over? Are we any better than the people in Texas who suffer from the aftermath of those storms? Are we any better than people who are homeless or addicted or lousy parents or convicted felons? Of course not. One of the root messages in the gospel is that no one is superior to anyone else. Rather, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul tells us. And all need to turn around back to God time and time again. And time and time again, Jesus makes our turning around possible. Jesus feeds us with himself, with word and sacrament. Jesus gives us the nourishment we need to grow into the people that we were meant to be. Jesus gives us the nourishment we need to grow into the people we were meant to be. The people God created us to be. People who radiate life, healing, and wholeness. A shalom people. Remember today that Christ has saved you and me, not for our own sake, but for his sake and for the sake of the world. Christ has saved us to fulfill our purpose, to be shalom people. Not better or worse than anyone else, just people of God who grow into the people God made us to be.
Let's pray. Lord Christ, help us to hold our blessings lightly, knowing that they are, are given to us, not because we deserve them, but because they can help us grow into being your people. Turn us around from our destructive ways and turn us back toward your way of life. Amen. <laughs>